Welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Stance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our fifth episode of The Couch and the Screen, where we explore mental health topics in TV, movies, books, and popular culture. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and I'm joined by my esteemed Life Stance colleagues, Angel Kramer. Hello. And Laura McClure. Hello. And on today's episode, we'll be covering the third episode from the fourth season of the HBO Max show, Succession. So, Laura, take it away, giving us the show recap. Yeah, I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis. So, the series of Succession follows the Roy family, who controls the biggest media entertainment company in the world. Companies led by Logan Roy, played by Brian Cox, who's a billionaire media tycoon, and his and the father to his sons, Kendall, played by Jeremy Strong, and Roman, played by Kieran Culkin, and his daughter Shiv, played by Sarah Schnook, who all compete for control of the company. Thank you, Angel. Let's hear yeah. about this episode. For this episode, we did episode three of season four. This episode opens with Logan Roy collapsing and dying on a private jet while on his way to Sweden and to finalize a business deal. His children, Shiv, Roman, and Kendall, are informed of his death while attending their oldest sibling, Connor's, wedding in Italy. The siblings react to the news in very different ways as they also try to figure out the next steps of who will be their father's successor. All right, thank you. So let me jump in first, because usually what we do is we talk about what do we all think about the episode. I think watching just one episode of a whole show, it can be a little difficult because you're trying to get context and things like that. And so I think it adds a layer is a little bit more difficult when you do that as opposed to watching an entire series and stuff. But I guess for me, just jump, jump us off. It, it seemed very well acted. It was good raw acting. I actually remember looking at the IMDb and I think the one shot was 40 minutes long and they did it just in one take, just their just raw acting of when the two brothers had just first found out that their dad had fought, had passed and stuff like that. How do you think the episode depicted the different stages of grief? I would say, I think there were a couple of points that I thought were universal. The anger that people feel immediately and the confusion and not having a place to direct it, that when Shiv is finally informed and she gets mad at her brothers and is like, why didn't you tell me? How long were you talking about? And you just see that there's no place for that anger to go. So this is what I can control. This is something I can tangibly be angry at. And then that denial where we see, I forget what his name was, but Kieran Culkin's character. He's, no, there's no doctor. Doctor isn't on the plane. The doctor hasn't pronounced him dead. So we don't know. When really they've been doing chest compressions and defibrillator for 30 minutes. So I think for me, that's the two things that I found as universal stages of grief within the episode. Yeah, I think the portrayal of the whole process was such a whirlwind and it was so much confusion so all over the place and I think if we take out the wealth aspect of it and those aspects specifically towards this being economic unit rather than humans I thought it was pretty well done emotionally speaking 
like you were saying, in that confusion of it all and seeing the denial and seeing the anger, they're going through these stages very quickly. And we might not actually go through those stages that quickly, but we also might in that state of confusion and shock, trying to process and not having anywhere for it to go. We even see them bargaining a little bit, which surprise, surprise, the super wealthy family is trying to bargain with death. Let's get the best medical care in the world. Let's get all these people in there. But who is taking care of him? Just trying to change this outcome so much in a situation that they have no control over. And they probably have not felt that lack of control before. Yeah, I agree. I think that was my biggest observation. This is a family that's used to controlling everything. They have the money to do. And there was no control over this. And I also thought when they were on the phone to be able to say their last words to their dad, that would be tough. Here you find out a parent or a loved one passes, or not even quite, but maybe possibly they can hear you. I, I think they were just, maybe the people who were with the father was just trying to make them feel better by putting the phone by their ear or not. But that would be tough of what to say. And again, not seeing the whole show, I get the sense that these siblings' relationship with their father was pretty rough with different things. And so here they are saying, I love you or things like that, or just not sure what to say and being very awkward. And it's true. They did not tell Shiv. I, I validate her anger with that, right? Come on, dudes. You guys, you have a sister there that you're already saying your goodbyes. You're not even running to your sister. So a little frustrated with that too. What is going on? What do we even do with this? I'm sure none of them have practiced the empty chair technique before. So they were just like, the Kieran's character was coaching Jeremy Strong and yeah. you know, tell him it's going to be okay. Tell him it's going to be okay. When Kieran was on the phone, he didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And this is all going on why they're at their other, their old eldest brother's wedding too. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think there's a point with the eldest brother who's Connor. I guess that was from their father's first wife. Didn't he, he marked it down that he didn't even think his father loved him. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure no, that's I emotion. Nikki, it was that he didn't even like him. Like, oh, I like him. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that would yeah. be a heavy duty feel feeling mm-hmm. to have right there. Too. So we're looking at ambivalent loss. Yeah. Oh, there's grief with the, I love you. And then I don't remember which the sibling said out loud, but I don't forgive you. It was Jeremy Scott. He was like, I don't forgive you, but I love you. And I think that was a beautiful way to show complicated feelings of grief in strange familial relationships. That was well put, to put it that way. What are some of the coping mechanisms that the characters use to deal with their grief, do you think? I don't know if they really did. I think they, they were trying in whatever way they knew how but that was very little i made note that at one point shiv was rocking herself back and forth and pacing and trying to settle that way and then the siblings very awkwardly trying to physically comfort one another but you could just tell that that physical support was not a thing in any of their attachments right here and very awkwardly try to support I don't know Shiv's real name trying to support Shiv in that moment and awkwardly touched her face and then I think touched somewhere else on her arm and I just remember feeling just how awkward that must have been for both of them in that moment 
which then goes back to like how well acted that was that we can feel the awkwardness there without us having more context to the whole show and those characters that we can feel it in that moment. That's an excellent point, Angel, for sure. So you don't feel like there was really any coping mechanisms going on. Laura, what are you thinking? I would agree with her. And I would say there was a whole lot of avoidance going on. Um, Okay, well, let's go ahead and get married. We just need to get off the plane. Like they're focusing on a task so they don't to think about what's going on. And then the people on the plane, you see that avoidance too. We're sitting here 40 feet from our friend who's blind, incapacitated, probably dead. Let's have a drink and let's work. A lot of just distraction and trying to avoid, avoid, avoid the reality. I forgot about that part. That's right. They did. They just dug in and just started planning and working. Yeah, oh my gosh. Good point. Jeez. There was almost this weird mix of avoidance, but also a hyper awareness of what this is going to be on the world stage. And I think that was really highlighted when Jeremy Strong said something along the lines of what we do today will always be what we did on the day our dad died having lost parents that's not something i would have ever thought about in that moment that wouldn't have even been they, they shifted their attention to the pragmatic to avoid the emotional repercussions of what was happening what other mental health issues did we see portrayed in the show we need to come back to you nikki you didn't oh to- i did i you know, you're right i'm actually agreeing i didn't see many coping skills for it at all i saw a bunch of awkward people who didn't really know how to navigate difficult emotions very well and not a knock against them navigating it very awkwardly but yeah that it just didn't seem like they had and I give them credit that was an extreme thing to have to navigate but you could tell this was not a family that maybe nurtured the idea of feelings and validation of one's feelings and stuff like that yeah I didn't see a lot of coping skills going on either And I think that's a good segue into like other mental health issues portrayed in the show. I, I That is curious to me when you're at that level of being so rich that I think things get skewed. You know, I think probably even maybe a lot of mental health issues get ignored or missed. It's like just someone saying maybe being quirky or whatever. So I, I thankfully think there were some issues there. Even just, I'm sitting here trying to think what would even be diagnosable there. Could there be possibly some personality disorders going on there among the siblings, things like that? What did you guys think? I definitely saw some tendencies, some of those like tendencies of cluster B personality disorder within the line of like histrionic or narcissism. I really kind of honed in though on Connor and the cake kept calling it the loony cake and then you found out that his mother had been institutionalized so I think there's probably some like trauma some traumatic attachment disruption uh, going on with Connor yeah no good point with that Angel I agree completely with the tendencies on the personality disorders thinking from the perspective of what I would work on with them rather than diagnosis so much trauma work would be needed so much attachment work fair um, point yeah internal family systems approaches things like that to help heal those parts of themselves that 
are very obviously wounded just in the one episode that we watched. Right. We could probably set down and list all of the wounds with ease just from that 50-55 minute episode. And then just that inner interpersonal awareness of everything. How to connect with one another and be a part of this and working on healing from this point forward. What to do next? I think if we're looking at how to navigate this in a healthy way, what to do next, maybe nurturing one another, nurturing the grief and moving forward. But they're having to kick into the business of the family, making a statement, what to say. Like even at the very end of the episode where I believe dad's body was just flown back in and everything, the poignancy of Karen's character going to want to go see dad while the oldest brother, I believe that's Roman, wanted to stay back. I think in their own way, again, trying to console one another, but still very awkward, not knowing how to do it. The thing. So again, I really like the idea of looking at this from a internal systems approach here, family systems approach for sure. How would you be working with this family? Definitely. Do you guys have any other criticisms or concerns about how the episode portrayed grief or and or, and or mental health issues? Not necessarily concerns. I think how they showed grief is probably one of the better ways that I've seen grief portrayed on TV. Showing the shock of it all, you know, trying to process in the moment something that's happening in lifetime. And it showed the difficulties of that pretty well. Even with the disconnect between that 1% and the remainder of the population, there was still so much that could be relatable just in those brief little moments. I would like to add that, you know, this this isn't how grief always looks. This is just one form of grief. So part of it would be just that caution that your grief might look different and that's okay. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That's important to say for sure. And tying into that, Angel, I think they did a good job of portraying that within the show, how everybody's grief looks differently. You know, how the one brother was like, no, I'm going to stay and watch him come down and come back here. And the other brother was like, okay, if that's what you need, that's fine, but I need to go up there. I think it did a good job of portraying that everybody needs something different in those moments. Something I was rather surprised to be and, and really thankful for was that, and maybe that's my own perceptions and stereotypes of people that live a luxurious life is that there's a lot of alcoholism and I really expected to be on a yacht in on a boat at a wedding that all of these people would just turn to getting smashed in grief and not a single one of the kids yes we saw them drinking on the plane to deal with it but I like that they didn't just go to oh everybody turns to alcohol so I thought that that was like for me I just enjoyed seeing that because I think it challenged my perception of that population. That's actually a really good observation. I hadn't thought of that. And you're right. I think we often, that's where maybe a show would have led the characters to cope that way by drinking, for sure. So I, my own thoughts, I, again, we're seeing this family grieve in the way that they grieve or know how to grieve, if that's a thing. And even... And as we're talking about grief here and the different stages, we're mainly basing this on Elizabeth Cooper Ross. This isn't, that's not the only kind of perspective looking on grief. So I know that's kind of a little bit of a slant here with that. Grief is complicated. And so I, because I didn't go on to see the other episodes to see how else it played out, because I'm sure 
it was played out in other ways, but I'm sure probably the overlay of them still needing to run the business. And the whole name of the show is Succession. So I'm guessing from what I can tell, it probably morphs more into who's now going to succeed and probably the interplay between the siblings of fighting for that, jacking for that position then. Okay. All right. I thank you both for sharing your thoughts on this specific episode. And who knows, maybe we'll go back and maybe finish it. Maybe not. And that's okay too. But I think we all agree. It was poignant from the point of how well is acted and that it did show one's family navigation of grief and that grief can look a lot of different ways for a lot of people. So thank you both. Thank you. For our next episode, we will be covering the Hulu show, Perfect Strangers. And I would also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman. Take care, everyone. 